Hello and welcome back to Our Week in Film. I'm your host for the day, Zach Riley. And I'm Kevin Riley. Well, folks, another week, another film. In today's episode, we'll be discussing many things, right, Kevin? That's right, Zach. Movie quote trivia, so all the many... films we've seen this week, and all the all the various plentiful emails we've gotten this week. Yes. Uh, so, let's start with our opening fun segment. Are you excited, Kevin? I am excited. I am predicting I'm going to get the one right. Okay. Um, what? Pick a number between one and ten. Eight. Pick a number between one and ten again. Three. Here's your quote. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Sound of music? No. Yeah. Uh, do you have it? You want to take another guess? No. Okay, it was the 1931 hit movie. Can you guess? No. Dracula. I've never seen it. Me either. I would not be able to tell you what that quote is from uh, if you asked me. Okay. Now, so we're going to start off, I, I, I assume, on the 29th, you said? 29th, yeah. So that means, wait, 29th. Okay, that means, did I talk, do you remember me talking about Melody Time? Melody Time? Yes, the movie Melody Time. Maybe if you gave me the phone, I could see it. This movie? Melody Time? Mm-hmm. The one that's called Melody Time? Animated feature made up of several sequences. Yes. Like Make My Music. I think you talked about that, yeah. Okay. Well, then I guess we'll move on to the film Windows. The short film Windows. Uh, I watched a lot before that. Okay. Well, I guess we'll t- talk about that then. You watched... That's all you watched on the 29th is Windows? Yeah. Oh, I think I logged Columbus a day late. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe we didn't talk about Melody Time. Well, anyways, what about... I watched a lot. Okay. I watched... <clears throat> the first thing I watched... Ready for this? Mm-hmm. I watched Snatch, directed by Guy Ritchie. Mm, I've heard of it. Yeah. That's my... Sam Manel's favorite director is Guy Ritchie, because he oh, made yeah. Sherlock Holmes, and Sam yeah. loves Sherlock Holmes. Guy Ritchie's awesome. So, uh, this was a movie I watched for my movie poster... I gave it a nine out of ten. It was really great. My first Guy Ritchie film. It was a. It was fantastic, all the way through. I think you'd really like it. Uh, the humor is really funny, and uh, Guy Ritchie's directing is just fantastic. What's it about? Uh, it's that's uh, that's hard to that's hard to. I'll, I'll just read the bio because there's so many plot threads that it's hard to keep track of. What's the genre at least? Is I'd that a say crime I'd film? say crime, mm-hmm. comedy, thriller. Wow. That's yeah. so many genres. Like yeah. At least three. There's Not there's, as many as Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakle, though. There's multiple storylines and multiple character groups, and they all are trying to... They all revolve around each other, and it's brilliantly done. Much like and the film absolutely, Magnolia. Absolutely loved it. Uh, cool. How's that? What's the, what's the uh, cinematic... Uh, or what's the, what's the uh, sort of, like, film style, like... How does how does how do the characters how does the how do the shots look etc. You know how does it look on screen? How does it appear on screen? Would you say the this the look of the film? yeah exactly it's uh, grimy I guess very grimy aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, very uh, yeah I was imagining sort of like very more, rugged I was imagining more of like a super polished like 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 fast paced 
every shot is meticulously planned, but it's not like that. So some of them are just based on the post. There's a lot of mon. There's a lot of montage. Mm, Yes, Uh, that's see that I was thinking of that. Yeah, it's very well done. And I also watched The Gentleman on the same day, directed by the same director, Guy Ritchie, uh, which was very similar to Snatch. I looked at his filmography, and there and there's some random films like uh, Aladdin, and some other things that probably aren't his best work, but. The Gentleman was great. This is, this is his newest film. Came out this year, actually. Uh, the best film I've seen in 2020 so far. Oh. I had to rank them. Uh, I gave it this an 8 out of 10. It was great as well. Uh, stars Matthew McConaughey. The plot is, is different from Snatch, but the just the feel of it overall is very similar. And it's, it's, it, was, it was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Awesome. What's the whiskey? What's the whiskey on the poster, huh? The whiskey? It's well, it's a whiskey, and the and the ice is a gun. See that? Oh my gosh, that's crazy! So is it just? No. Is it just because they're all fancy people and they drink whiskey? Yeah, is that pretty, why? pretty much. That's awesome. Lots of guns in that movie. Yeah, huh? It was great. It was fantastic. Colin Farrell was probably my best part, my favorite part. Matthew McConaughey was fantastic. Um, Charlie Hunnam too was probably he stole the show. Just everything, everything is amazing about that movie. <clears throat> Both, both gentlemen and Snatch are highly recommend. Guy Ritchie's awesome. All right, seems like a, he seems like a fun, cool guy. Yes. Um, I also watched a short film from Ari Aster called "The Strange Things About the Strange Thing About the Johnsons." Mm-hmm. Famous director Ari Aster, of course, made *Hereditary* and *Midsommar*. Has a new film coming out soon. It's supposed to be a comedy this time. So it's his third feature. Oh uh, yeah, so this is a short from 2011. Uh, I don't want to really spoil it going into it because I know you're going to watch it soon. And uh, we, we, we'll be watching it with my friend Mason, who will probably join us on the podcast sometime down the road. But yeah, this is a very disturbing short, as to be expected from Ari Aster. Uh, it's not... Without giving too much away, it's not um, a supernatural horror or or a murderous, evil type of horror. It's just really disturbing and gross. It almost like these Johnson guys act really strange. Not really. Oh yeah. Once, just from the fir- the the moment a, a picture is revealed. You see something on screen, and then you go, "Oh God!" That's interesting. It's about two minutes into the short, and from there, you just go, "Oh God, this is gonna be gross. Sounds, it's gonna be a wild ride." Sounds fun. Yeah. And then what did you watch after that, Kevin? After that, watch? I watched a uh, a short film directed by my favorite. <laughs> uh, excuse me, my favorite kids, um, from Sam Minnell, <laughs> came "What Tomorrow Brings," starring you. Uh, ben Cole, Sam Minnell. Gosh, so many people. Sophie Darling worked on it. There's a lot of names. I'm not going to name them all, but yeah. Good job, Luke. Good job, Sam. Good job, Ben. Good job, Zach. Luke was not in any way involved with this. Really? Nope. He was, did not attend the STN convention. Oh. So. Never mind then. Good job, Ben. Make sure Good we job. strip away that credit from him because he does not in any way deserve it. Because he chose for to some not reason I thought he was, for some reason I thought he was in the movie. That was in the end a good choice because of the fact that uh, SGN was canceled and everyone was uh, gypped out of a thousand dollars, but uh, we didn't know that at the time. 
Okay, so what did you think of it, Kevin? It was pretty good. I liked it. <laughs> it was a good short. Um, you guys did a good job with it. Thank you. You know, it wasn't amazing, but it, I enjoyed it. And then we both watched a random short we found on the Criterion channel. Called Windows. It's like three minutes, yes, called Windows. It's all about different windows. And this this British, yes. is he British? Yeah, British. British, British guy. guy just talks about window statistics and the death statistics of how many people, yeah, how many people have jumped out or fallen out of windows, accompanied by shots of windows, and he yes. says, uh, "Statistically, one in seventeen men who jump out of windows are also struck by lightning that same day." Yep. And it's really, it's, uh, I guess it's pretty. It's very informative. It's, it's pretty informative. It's I mean, it's it's just interesting because of how, like, it's kind of absurd it is. But, uh, I mean, there's no plot, obviously, but it's uh, it's pretty fun. I liked it a lot. I gave it three stars. I mean, it's not like any, it's not going to change my life, but it was entertaining, um, even though it was just statistics. Uh, is that all for that day that you watched? That's all I watched on the 29th. The 29th I watched while you were up taking a shower or something, while we were about to go to our final night in the tent. Uh, yes. Not a euphemism for anything, just uh, we, we slept in a tent for three days. Uh, I watched a couple of Charlie Chaplin shorts, uh, His Favorite Pastime, Cruel, Cruel Love, and The Star Border. And uh, not much to say about these. A lot of these shorts basically have very similar plots. It's just Charlie Chaplin is sort of the outsider, and there's a fancy, um, like, rich family, and Charlie Chaplin will slowly, like, I guess, get into their lives. One of the shorts, Cruel, Cruel Love, actually, Charlie Chaplin does not play his famous tramp character. He plays a man with a top hat, uh, which is slightly different from a bowler hat, kids. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, uh, those are the three shorts I watched. And then that's all for the 29th. Um, yeah. And then we watched, well, I watched mostly. Kevin fell asleep or something or watched half of the bag. I watched the 1920 short film, Dr. Je or no, sorry, not short film, feature-length film, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a famous uh, horror story um, about a man who decides that he wants to, he's a very kind and loving man who, who, who is always very generous to people, but he, he thinks, what if we could separate the kind part of us from the evil part of us? That way... The, the evil part, if they commit sin, then the good part will still get to go to heaven. It's a genius idea. So he does it, and then and then he turns in this evil man, and he goes around and, and be, is evil, mm. and drinks alcohol, and gets oh, goodness. hookers, and snorts cocaine. Goodness, no. Not those last two, but similar things. Uh, this film was... It was, I'd say it's just a, it's just a silent film that told the story well. It didn't do any sort of deep, um, didn't go any deeper than just telling the story. I guess the two highlights were the, uh, the costumes were pretty good with, uh, Mr. Hyde, who is the evil counterpart. Uh, one, th one question I had is why, uh, Mr. Hyde, why, how they came to the name Mr. Hyde, because Dr. Heckel, or Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll is just like, hey, this guy's named Mr. Hyde, and he just decides upon it. Decides upon it. I guess I don't really know how, but anyways, the two sounds were the the acting from the main guy and the costuming. Other than that, it's just pretty much just told the story, uh, with characters and sets. There wasn't any special 
German expressionism type stuff that was interesting. It was just basic telling the story type film. So I gave it three stars as a, that was good, but it didn't go above and beyond. Uh, and then... We also watched the, what was it? The, uh, shing- the shingle song. Oh, yeah, the shingle jingle. My favorite video. One of, one of the movie in my favorites because my one of my favorite YouTubers, Brian David Gilbert, created a, a video called the shingle jingle. And so I looked that up. And it's funny. It's a funny video. Look it up if you haven't seen it. But then I scrolled down a little bit, and then there was this random video of these two, like, 60-year-old women playing a guitar for, for her, their apparently hospitalized friend who had shingles, uh, talk, rapping about shingles. It was pretty funny. They eat Pringles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good and video. It was nice, uh, really awkward and, and forced rhymes in that one. Or not forced, but I guess obvious. Anyways, what, what did you watch on the 30th? 30th, I watched two films. Mm, I see some some big hitters there. Well, I'll talk, before we talk about those, I'll talk about a couple. Uh, the final three Sidney Poitier films I have. Oh, yes. You finally you finished the entire series. I did. Except the for, day it's expired. Except for technically there were two. I, it's not technically complete because there were two that left a, a, like a month ago. Because um, the contract expired for just those two. And mm. so I didn't get to watch those, but other than that, I watched I watched what was available to me. Uh, the three were, uh, and I would say, from worst to best order, and also order I watched them. The first one was a Western, the second Western in the Sidney Poitier collection called uh, Buck and the Preacher, starring Sidney Poitier and the actor Harry Belafonte, who was, I know this is going to become a bit of a shocker, Kevin, uh, he was actually my favorite actor in the movie, uh, better than Sidney Poitier, because he was just this crazy, wild, uh, wild character, and uh, and uh, he uh, really, <laughs> he uh, he really um, he really shined as a as a good performance in that movie. But other than that, uh, it was pretty. Uh, I mean, I w- I'm not gonna say it, it was pretty average, but it was it was just good. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know think think of it as a standout. I still, you know, I still have, there, there are still several scenes in my mind that are pretty, really well done, like the scene where they sort of go and shoot up a bunch of these white guys who are trying to hunt them down, and, um, but not much, I guess, to remember, uh, and then the film A Warm December, which is a, a more the serious side of Sidney Poitier, Buck and the Preacher is more uh, lighthearted, uh, A Warm December is about uh, sickle cell, a girl who has a sickle cell anemia, and Sidney Poitier meets her, and they uh, sort of develop this relationship. It's a pretty uh, sort of melodramatic movie. There, there's not a lot of like, like, fun. Like, I, and I don't want to say fun because that implies that every movie I have to watch has to be fun, but like, more like upbeat um, moments. Which again doesn't really fit because there, are, there are, of course, there are movies that aren't upbeat but are good. I guess it's just I guess melodramatic is the way to describe it. It's sort of just mellowed out, uh, and not don't leave the baseline very much up or down. I guess would be a better way to say. Um, it's it's actually Sidney Poitier's directorial debut. There, are, the last two films I watched were directed by Sidney Poitier. Wow. Uh, so I also gave that three stars, and then the final film, which I gave three and a half stars, stars Bill Cosby, called Uptown Saturday Night. And this is a uh, really more fun film. Uh, Bill Cosby. Yeah, it stars Bill Cosby, the Bill Cosby, the one who who was a terrible rapist who raped dozens of people, uh, allegedly. 
Anyways, I think he went Sydney to jail. Poitier, <laughs> Sydney Poitier uh, and Bill Cosby um, star as these two sort of uh, um, like poor. Well, I, the only reason I say poor is because the movie about is about two people who win the, uh, the lottery. Sydney Poitier wins the lottery, and that's like the inciting incident of the film. But the thing is, earlier when they didn't even know they won the lottery, they got robbed, and so they by these like big gang robber gang member robbers. And so the whole movie is about them going on a journey to find their wallet. And so as you can imagine, it's kind of like a buddy type film uh, where they go around through various stuff. Uh, one of my favorite parts about the movie is there's this guy who is like, um, we have the we have the cult cinema classic box set with a movie called The Black Godfather. This guy really is the Black Godfather because he acts and behaves like the Godfather. I'm sure it's a parody because this came out, movie came out in 1970. Um, four, which is two years after The Godfather came out, I think. Or maybe three, I'm not sure. Um, but this guy has, like, the, the little pencil mustache. Mm-hmm. And he speaks in, like, the, oh, I'm the Godfather voice. And so he's clearly parroting uh, The Godfather. And he's pretty entertaining as, like, the, the head of the gang member. He, he's not an Italian um, or anything. But that's pretty. That's pretty much the only similarity: the way he talks and the way he looks. But other than that, um, yeah, Upton Saturday Night was just a really fun, uh, entertaining, easygoing film. Uh, a great conclusion to the Sydney Poitier collection. There's no, there's no race relations. There's no serious stuff in this. It's just a fun time. And I think it's a great way to end the Sydney Bo- Sydney Poitier collection on wow. an up note. And all of those movies had an interconnecting story. No. Oh. No, I didn't. I never said that. No. Oh, that would have been cool. It would maybe there. Maybe I just didn't notice it. Maybe that every every movie there's just a little Irish man who does a little jig yeah. in the background. And you have to look really close to find it, and he says one word, and they all connect together. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so yeah, you can talk about your two. Okay. I watched David Lynch's Blue Velvet mm-hmm. on Criterion Blu-ray. I bought the Criterion for that. Did you check out any of the special features? I read the entire book that came with it. Oh, does it? Uh, does it come with any David Lynch commentaries? Uh, I didn't watch the supplements, so I don't know. It came so with sad. about an hour of deleted scenes that I didn't want to watch. Oh my gosh, how long is the movie? About uh, it's exactly two hours. Wow, so it could have been three hours. I wonder how much of that was. David Actually, the original cut was Lynch about four and a half hours. Hours I read it in the holy, booklet. Holy shit! I learned a lot from that booklet. One of the stars yeah, was married to Martin Scorsese for three years. The main star of the film. Anyways, Blue Velvet was amazing. It was a great uh, mystery, thriller, crime uh, film. It was great. The uh, What's his name? Uh, the, the star. Kyle MacLachlan was great as uh, Jeffrey. Um, he was really good. He was a great... Dahmer? No. He was a great lead. Laura Dern was also fantastic. Uh, Laura Dern... Young Laura Dern is very cute. And they... Uh, Kyle McLaughlin and, and young Laura Dern were great together. They had great chemistry and they were the best part of the movie. Actually, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to say that. There were so many good parts of the movie. Um, what's his name? Dennis Hopper as Frank Booth. Frank Booth was a crazy villain. He's insane. Um, man, that guy's scary. 
you haven't seen the movie, Zach. No, but. I haven't. I should watch it. How no. how I've seen I've seen one David Lynch film, Mulholland Drive. That film was very. It had a plot, but it was very abstract. How how abstract? Uh, this, 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 is, this is very this is a very easy film to follow in terms of plot. There there are some abstract parts, mm-hmm. but uh, as yes. ter- in terms of plot goes, it's very easy to follow. Like, one of the first shots though is is a there's a guy um, like watering his lawn, and all of a sudden his ear starts to like hurt really bad. And the dog starts to like drink the water from the hose, and then it cuts in like a slow motion of the dog drinking from the hose for like five seconds. And there's not really any real point to that shot. It was just like, okay, I guess this is a David Lynch movie. And then occasionally, uh, something happens about like a third into the way to the main character, and he it starts to like affect him, and he has like visions, but of like. He's like having sex in slow motion, and it's like choppy frame rate, and but the, and the audio is super like distorted. So when he like if he's moaning, it goes. It's very very weird. Wow. And there's recurring shot. Uh, there's recurring shots of like a candle and and stuff like that. So it is there's surrealist elements, but the whole the whole uh, idea of the movie is that it's it's very. It's surreal, but it takes place in a very normal suburban area, and well, that's insane, Kevin. Do, 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 dun, 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 dun. Okay. Do, I mean, I wasn't even done talking about Blue Velvet, but the next film I watched was two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, which I watched for my movie poster. Again, I this is the this is the third time I've seen this movie. See now you're being annoying. This is the third. Is a funny is a comedic bit. Oh, that wasn't funny. The third part. I mean, this is the third time I've watched this movie. I watched it for my movie poster, as I said. Um, this is, it, in my opinion, the the best movie ever made. Uh, it ranks number two in my all-time favorite movies. Number one being Ferris Bueller. Um, yeah, this, so this is my second favorite movie, what I regard to be the best movie of all time. It is a masterpiece. It never gets old. I love it. It's amazing. I had an amazing time watching it. <laughs> Well, how um, what would you say the space odyssey really was the whole time? Hmm. Space odyssey. <laughs> I guess we were the space odyssey all along. Oh my god, that's insane! Did you like the part when um Hal um says day? I can feel my mind going. Well, that's a spoiler. I was gonna say that, but then I just who hasn't seen two thousand one? Watch two thousand one. Most people. Actually, watch two thousand one. Majority of human beings have not seen two thousand one Space Odyssey, but our film loving viewers, of course, have seen two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. Right, Luke. Anyways, has he not seen it? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, Luke, get on that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, this movie is amazing. Um, has some of my favorite shots ever, mm-hmm. namely, the one where he's going through that passageway and he's wearing the vi- the vibrant red. Space shit, the, the iconic image. Of course. It's amazing. 
Uh, Hal is an incredible villain. One of my favorite movie villains of all time. He's he's just so great and creepy. The guy who voices him does a great job. Um, Dave was great. We saw him, of course, last week, and Bunny Lake is missing. Yes. So I was watching and I was like, that's, that is the same guy. Very different roles. Dave is, Dave is amazing in this. Um, uh, I love the beginning with the apes, where it, where it shows them evolving and, and becoming the dominant species, where they're cowering in fear and, and losing and not eating as much as they should be. Well, once man finds tool, he starts smashing those bones, and he does a brilliant cut to the satellite. How would you say? Famous. How would you say stuff. knowing? I, I I know you've seen this two times, but I guess, three times. Actually. Three times. How would you say that knowing uh, where the whole monkey thing is going increases your enjoyment of it? Because I know certainly when I was first watching, I'm like, why? Why are we just seeing twenty minutes of monkeys? Did you did you have a more deeper? Uh, a connection with it with the movie now that you actually knew why we were just seeing monkeys or was it the same yeah it's awesome that's a that's a great part of it oh good answer. I, I believe i believe the second time i watched it was uh we missed like half of the monkey part oh my god because me and mason walked in late the second time i watched it was awesome i watched it in imax um the imax theater itself was crappy because that place is really cramped but actually watching it in imax was great was great, but I missed the beginning. And the first time I watched it, I really don't even remember how long ago that was. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, watching it the third time, I I obviously knew what why the monkeys were there, and I, I had a great time. Because you can watch you can watch them. It shows it shows very clearly that they're being scared, hiding, uh, not having enough food. The like the cheetah or the leopard, whatever that was, is is um. Was showing them that he's dominant, but eventually they get the tool, and it's great. It's well done. Yep. I love this movie, too. I actually read the book for a school assignment. And fun fact, I just want to mention for all our viewers that have gone to William S. Hart High School, fun fact, the other spaceman, Dr. Uh, the other one, you know, what's his name? I forget Ryan. right now. Uh, Dr. Dr. Frank Poole. Dr. Frank Poole, the actor who played it, went to Hart High School. Wow. In fact, so that's an inspiration to you. You could be just like him. Wow, I could be a just side like character him. in side Stanley Kubrick's The Other One of Space Killed Odyssey. by a robot. Yep, just like him. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, 2001. All time classic. Revolutionary. Predicted FaceTime, AI. It's true. It's probably my second favorite to uh, Stanley Kubrick film, right after Clock, Clockwork Orange. I'd say that's I've my seen, favorite. I've seen seven of his movies so far. I've seen two. Uh, and then after that, that day I watched a, a film noir film called Affair in Trinidad. This was pretty uh, forgettable. Well, I mean... I forget all. I don't. I guess I don't mean forgettable because I still remember it. But two and a half. I give it two and a half. Um, um, the 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 big star of the movie is Rita Hayworth, who apparently everyone is in love with and is like, oh, she's so beautiful. Uh, I mean, she's yeah, she's uh, objectively pretty, but everyone on Letterbox was like, uh, I I was gonna give this uh, two stars, but I've upped it up to four because Rita Hayworth was dancing. Or this movie sucks, but. The two scenes where Rita Hayworth was dancing really brought it up for me. And, uh, you know, I didn't get that because um, uh, I cannot be persuaded by um, sexual passion. 
but uh, in terms of how good the movie was, it was pretty. It was a pretty basic crime film where um, the 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 brother of the man who got murdered came to 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 the to Trinidad, um, and um, sort of has a, a love thing going on with the main character as as is typical in, in noir films. Uh, the guy who who plays him uh, is named Glenn Ford, who who the you probably only know him from the movie Superman. He plays. Can you guess who he plays in Superman? Lex Luthor. No, that's uh, that's that's uh. Um, that would be my only guess then. I don't know. Who's who play, God, no, don't tell me. You probably don't know who plays Lex Luthor. It's the guy from uh, French Connection. Uh, Gene Hackman. That's who. Gene. Ha- no, it's uh Clark uh, Kent, Mister Papa yeah, Kent. Sure, all over the place. It's Papa. It's Papa Kent. Okay. Clark Kent's dad. Anyways, Glenn Ford has been has has been in a ton of movies that I've watched um, on my little uh, Criterion journey. He's been he's been in uh, Fair and Trinidad, Blackboard Jungle, Human Desire, Gilda, and The Big Heat. Five films which I had never even heard of before I started uh, my film journey, and I he was in all of these, and I've watched him in five times in the past month. Pretty crazy, right, wow. Kevin? What a coincidence. Um. Anyways. Yeah, I'm a friend of Trinidad. Don't watch it if you are not don't have an interest in film noir. Uh, okay, so that's the thirtieth. Did you watch anything on the first? I see you have. I did. Yeah, I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Famous cult movie. Cult classic. Yep. Would you say you'd ever want to watch it in a theater with people who have seen it billions of times? From what I've I've heard, uh, maybe. Maybe if it was a controlled place, because I've I've read some stories about people who are, who just are are insanely drunk and throw stuff at the screen wow. and swear and yell the whole time. Yeah, so see, yeah, if it was that know. chaotic, maybe not. Uh, but but if you've seen the film so many times, you yeah. don't need to really need to watch it. It's all about the it's all about the energy. I know, it's all about the song and dance. Apparently, Hank Green is a big Rocky Horror Picture show, and one time he made a joke and it failed miserably, and he got really embarrassed. Because, you know, at those showings, they all yell out and make jokes. But his joke failed. Mm. Isn't that an interesting story? Because Hank Green's an idiot. Uh, Anyways, I watched this for my movie poster. Uh, The Rocky Horror Picture Show is a a musical, um, and it was absolutely bonkers. Uh, Tim Curry is the star of this, and he is the definite highlight. He completely steals the show. He gives one of the most insane, all-out, 100% performances that I've ever seen. Um, he's just amazing in this. The songs are all great, especially the Time Warp. That song's amazing. Um, the characters are all very fun and and memorable too. Um, not that I can remember any other names, but I can remember all the what they look like, like the like the Igor type of guy with the long hair. He was great. Um, the costumes are great too. All the set design is just very good. Very good stuff. Uh, it wasn't amazing or anything, but it was it was just a great movie. Very enjoyable and yeah. I really liked it. I'll definitely I'll definitely watch this every every uh, October for Halloween time. It's a scary it's a, movie. It's not scary, but it it has some spooky elements. Uh so it was yeah. yeah. Do you have uh, anything to add since you haven't seen it? No, I haven't. And that's what I. That's what I like. That's what I noticed. You. Uh, um, I don't know what I was gonna say. Never mind. Completely uh, oh. forgot what I was gonna say. Um, that's the first. The second. 
it, um, May 2nd, the start of a new month for me, film-wise, not for you, uh, I've watched three films, um, would you like to speak first, because you watched four films, right? That's right, I watched four movies on the, on, the what? on, on April 2nd, I mean, Over May those. 2nd. What were those? Uh, the first movie I watched was The Matrix. From the Wachowskis, which I learned they used to be brothers. And then one of them transitioned into a female. And then both of them transitioned into a female later on. So they were the Wachowski brothers and the Wachowski siblings. And now they're the Wachowski sisters. And one of them, I I believe, I believe, I believe Lana Wachowski will be directing the fourth one. Uh, What happened to the other one? Lily will will not be partaking in, in the fourth one. I believe so. That's sad. No. I what happened. Must be a Lana Wachowski is just single-handedly doing it. Lily didn't want any part. Uh, yeah, but The Matrix is one of the best action movies I've ever seen. Definitely. They they truly did revolutionize action. Um, it's just amazing. The first one is absolutely fantastic. Keanu Reeves is great. Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, what's his name? Lawrence Fisher? Yeah. Lawrence Fisher is great too. Oh, it is Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne is great too. Is Morpheus. Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity is great. Hugo Weaving. Agent Smith is an iconic villain. He's absolutely great. Um, yeah, just the entire film through and through was great. I, I love the idea of The Matrix too. I think about it all the time. If life is a simulation or we're really living it, because that's the big question. I, my opinion is it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't. We're all going to die anyways, but it, knowledge is power. Anyways, uh, yeah. As for the first one, it is absolutely fantastic. I know you've seen it. I have. You did definitely didn't like it I nearly as much. Three stars. Yeah, brutal. Yeah. Gosh. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was the viewing conditions. Maybe it's just not something that uh, clicks with me, but either way, I didn't think, I didn't think it was an amazing film. I certainly uh, can think of all the scenes and remember what they were like but otherwise you know i just i don't know i just didn't connect with it. i'd watch i'd have to watch it again i don't know if it's on my rewatch list but it should be it's not the matrix one of our two more our dad's one of his favorite movies of all time yeah then i watched matrix reloaded or matrix 2 um this one is big big, big old disappointment not nearly as good as the first one it starts pretty strong, and it definitely has some very good elements of it. The action is even better in this one. This one contains the famous uh, big Mr. I mean Agent Smith battle that our our pops showed us so many times as a kid. So I had that I had that scene memorized by heart because I've seen it so many so many times. I was quoting it while I watched it, and it just gets better every time. That is one of the best action sequences I've ever just ever seen ever. There's also a great there's also a great highway chase the last like 15 minutes it was really well done better than the one in Bad Boys 2 um yeah well, better than the one in Bad Boys 2 yeah I don't believe it so those are definitely the two highlights the action is amazing I have nothing bad to say about the action every action scene was great and that definitely helped the film out a lot but every every other element is just nowhere near as good uh, the plot the, the whole plot of the Terminator trilogy is way too convoluted, in my opinion. Um, Did you, are you 
Did you, was that a mistake, or are you actually referring to the Terminator trilogy right now? Did I say the Terminator trilogy? You said trilogy? the Terminator trilogy. The Matrix trilogy. It, uh, it gets way too convoluted on the second one, and then the third one. We'll, I'll talk about that later, but the second one, uh, it, it just complicates things too much, I believe. And the, the plot just is not as solid and, and simple and nice mm-hmm. as the first one is. The first one, I mean, half of the movie is Neo learning um, and getting his footing in and becoming the one, as they call him. And you really can't, that's hard to mess up, uh, like training and, and getting better. No, Once he was there, they no, said, what now? And then what now? It was not. There's no character. You can't have You can't have character development once you've already built your character up to be the best it can be. Right, Kevin? Well, he definitely... No, he improves. In the, no. Okay. He gets better and better. But, yeah. The, the second one was definitely decent. Uh, I still, overall, had a positive experience with it. Again, the action helps tremendously. It's it's amazing. Um so yeah, Matrix Reloaded, pretty solid movie. Definitely nowhere near as good as the first one. Uh, the action's amazing, and overall, I'd probably recommend it. I give it a six out of ten. Uh, but the Matrix Revolutions, Matrix Three. And then I watched the Matrix Revolutions or Matrix Three. And this one is a big old poop. Um, definitely the worst out of the trilogy. It's not horrible, but it's just bad. Um, the entire the entire selling point and the, the cool thing about the Matrix is the Matrix. The scenes where they go into the Matrix and do reality bending action and and just do cool stuff that you don't normally get to see in real life. That's the entire point of the of the matrix that's why i watch it so when half of the entire movie is a giant robot battle that takes place in real life and not in the matrix it was a really big letdown and really was stupid um it was really boring it was just glaze over your eyes action it's something i've seen a million times before maybe maybe when it came out it was cool for people but uh, if you've seen any of the Transformers movies, it's basically the same thing. It's just generic. It's a it's it's a big robot battle. I haven't seen all of them, and neither have you. So. If, if if you've seen any of them, that's what I mean. It's pretty much the same. It's just robots battling robots. Not fun to watch. They they make a big army out of like robot. Why? Why? Yeah. Ugh, I'd uh, I'd have to explain the entire plot of the Matrix. It's because essentially they're they're trying to save humanity because there's 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 robots coming to kill all of them and the last of humanity lives in Zion in the future. So the robots come to kill them all. So they have to defend themselves in a really stupid action sequence. So the big robot battle is stupid, but eventually it's over, uh, and it switches back to Neo, and the film actually picks up towards the last. The last act, the first two acts are really stupid. The pretty much the first, like three fourths of the movie is just dumb and boring. But he finally actually gets in the Matrix. There's a little bit of Matrix in the beginning, but he get, the majority of the of the end of the movie is spent in the Matrix, and he goes and has the big final battle with Agent Smith, which is a spoiler, but you know you expect the trilogy to end that way. It's not really that crazy. 
he has a big final battle with Agent Smith. It was great. Uh, actually, it wasn't great. It was good. It wasn't anything amazing. It was really one of the only Matrix action sequences, which was a big letdown. It was definitely the best action sequence of that of the movie, but of the trilogy, it was nowhere near as good. So the uh, yeah, overall the trilogy just deflates as it goes. It gets worse and worse. The plot is really dumb. It backtracks and contradicts itself a lot of times. I don't even understand some of the elements like in the second one with the the architect. I didn't understand the entire plot line at all. I'd have to rewatch it, but I don't have any intention to or any want. Um, so yeah, the Matrix trilogy as a whole is not a very good trilogy, but the Matrix. One, the first movie, as uh, as as a movie, it's great. But the the annoying thing is that the trilogy works as a trilogy. It's not like it's not like the the first two or the the first one doesn't have anything to do with the last two. It's not like each self contained story. There's an on ongoing story, and you really can't watch the first one because there's plot threads that don't get resolved until the third one. But the third one sucks, so it's really annoying. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, I didn't feel any need or want to watch the, the one after The Matrix, so maybe that's just because you watched all three, or did you actually say, man, now that I finished The Matrix, I really want to know what ha- what's gonna what uh, what that one plot thread meant. Did you say that? No, but they're, they oh. keep talking about the war, and the war isn't, isn't until the third one. So it's kind of like... So there's it's kinda like looming, there's looming story arcs and prophecies mm. that don't get resolved until the third one. So yeah. That's crazy. The Matrix. I wonder if there's going to be more stuff that was not resolved in the third one and the fourth one. I don't under, I don't know where they're going to go from the fourth one because, well, that's a spoiler, but... Maybe they're going to reveal that the Matrix, that there's actually, that the mate that the real world that they're in was actually another Matrix and that it's a third, it's a third layer mm. and that what they think is the real world is actually a fake world and all the real world guys who are aware that they're living in a Matrix are going to be made aware that they're actually living in the Matrix in where they think they're in real life. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wow. And then I watched... And then I watched three movies. Uh, the second... Uh, the first one was an Italian Italian language film, which I watched solely because I uh, uh, was watching one of those um, Criterion videos where the guy goes over Criterions they bought, one of those channels. I'm not really sure which one. But uh, mm-hmm. one of them talked about a movie called Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. Wow. And the way he described it was is somewhat of a police officer who purposefully commits murder and uh, and uh, he's on the homicide. He's the chief of the homicide team. And so he purposefully leads the crew on because he's so confident in his ability to hide up the murder that he leaves clues just to taunt them. And so... Anyways, the film is pr- really, really great. Uh, I watched it. The movie, I think, when you watch it at first, you're kind of like, "Yes, this is this is really good filmmaking. Like it's done well." But the the point where it really like all comes together, and it's like, "Oh, this is like really, really great." Is at the very end when there's a scene. I guess do you care if I spoil it or what? I don't care. So that so at the end, at the very end of the movie, the guy the guy started. He's not like a total sociopath. Um, he does. He's not totally insane. The guy still sort of um, the guy at the end sort of wants um, them to find find him out and wants to get arrested. He wants to pay for what he did, 
but at the end, all the characters, they surround him, and um, it's it's sort of this weird, crazy, absurdist type thing where he, where the, the cops are, are um, just deflecting all the evidence he says. He says, like, I did it. And they say, you don't have any proof. And he says, no, but really, I can prove it. And he takes out these pictures, and he says, look, I took pictures of the murder. You can see them right there. And they said, and and he starts saying, as far as I say, and they're like ripping up the pictures. And he's like, as far as I can see, this this isn't admissible at all. Hmm. And so they're sort of like going, like they're sort of like going specifically, making sure he doesn't he doesn't get a he doesn't get arrested for the crime. The opposite of getting away for it. They're sort of making sure he does get away with it because they don't want a bad look for the police for the police scene. And the whole movie is sort of, uh, I guess. It, it, I didn't really understand this while I was watching it, but after that scene, it sort of made sense. And the whole movie is sort of making fun of the the uh, the Italian police and how corrupt they are, uh, mm. obviously. So I wouldn't know anything about the Italian police no, me politics. Either, but they, but the movie explained it well, I guess, uh, and that's sort of making fun of it in a in an intelligent satire type way. And then I watched two, no, sorry, only one. One noir film, Columbia noir film, The Sniper, which is a, a bit of a departure from the typical noir film. It's not a crime film. It's more of a, um, uh, it's more like a, one of the more psychoanalysis type films about a guy who has this um, repressed, repressed anger at, him, at his mom. So he goes about shooting these brunette uh, mid-20s, or sorry, late twenties brunette woman, because that's who he associates his mom with, and so he wants to kill them to take out his, his aggression. Mm. And so the film is basically just about him uh, going around shooting people. It's really, um, it's it's pretty well done. I say that the suspense and tension is like well well put together and crafted so that it leads to a satisfying conclusion. Um, and the thing that's I noticed was different from. A lot of the other noir films I've seen is that the violence, like the shooting, because he's obviously going around shooting people, is very well, it's very, um, like, in your face. Obviously, by today's standards, it's, like, nowhere near as what we would see. Like, there's no, like, little, like, brain guts spewing out of their heads, but you can actually see, like, them getting shot, them falling down, uh, the bullet breaking glass, all in one shot. It's only cut away from it all, so it's very mm. upfront. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was only, this came out in 1952, like, eight years later, Psycho, a girl being just murdered, not even seeing the, the, um, not being, you couldn't even show the, the knife entering the, the woman, that was not even accepted, neither was flushing toilets, so, even in 1952, this was pretty, uh, pretty, like, uh, revolutionary, I guess, um, but anyways, yeah. I think the it was really well done. The only thing I wish it did better was having the characters be more, uh, like well, well constructed. I guess it felt not, not very uh, felt more surface level than it, it could have been. But yeah, that's the sniper. And then finally, haven't talked about this. I don't think, but I have a I had a project a while ago. I was watching all the best pictures, and then I stopped because in like about. Two feet away from the finish line. I got, you I, got too I got, tired and I stopped. Got caught up. Uh, well, the reason I stopped was a combination of a couple of things. First of all, the library for a long time had all the movies I wanted, but I run out, I ran out of movies that were available at the library. 
And also, I, I, you know, as expected, I sort of left all the lower tier movies for the ends, except for The Sting, which is the one that I, that I couldn't find at the library and wasn't available for streaming. Obviously, I have DVD Netflix, but um, I also wanted to start doing my 100 movie list. So I sort of got caught up in that. There's no real reason for it. It's just sort of like I, I sort of uh, went on to my next 100 movie list and then eventually my Kurosawis and Sinicodiers and Columbias. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I just completely sort of left that five films away from finishing. But finally I picked up so much buildup for the reveal of this mm. film, Kevin. I already know what Can it is. Can you guess? I already know what it is. Yes. GG. How'd you know? Because I see it and I was there. You watched it. Oh well. Anyways, film GG, uh, probably one of the lesser known films, uh, um, besides the obscure '30s and '40s films, but uh, one of the lesser known color, full screen films that aren't don't feel like old movies. Of course, it's um is pretty old, but by the mere nature of the the fact that it's colorful and not in four by three, it makes it feel like it's newer. You just said it was in full screen though. Sorry, by full screen and wide screen. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, Gigi was about a a a seventeen year old maybe or a, a teenager who is a. Uh, actually, you know what? I take it back. The movie's not really about the Gigi. Gigi is is sort of like a secondary or side character. The movie really is about the man in the story who is this really rich guy who the whole the whole his whole character arc or basically is that. He is bored with his life because nothing interests him. He's been with all the women he's been. He's done everything in the world. He's been to every place. He's bought everything he could possibly imagine. The opening scene is, the opening reveal of him is a salesman talking about these two different cars. And he, he sort of just walks away and the guy said, and the salesman says, which car do you want? And he says, oh, whatever, I don't care. It takes, it, the movie takes place in 1900. So this is when like cars were like, uh, we, don't, we go to the rich mm. people, we pitch this stuff. This is not just every on the street. You gotta have this stuff shipped to you, um, but yeah. Uh, so the film is just about the guy who's bored with life, and he finds this girl Gigi, who his whole life has been a family friend, who he kind of hangs out with every week, so sort of more like a more like a brotherly fashion, and uh, plays cards with. Um, but it, he realizes, oh, Gigi is the girl who excites me really, uh, and he and he slowly develops a romantic interest in her. Anyways, yeah. So that that premise is is um, it's 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 easy going. It's simple, but uh, it's not really uh, compelling all that much. It just feels like a, a classic, like old Hollywood golden age type big production. Lots of big sets, lots of big musical numbers. I like the musical. I like the music's a lot. The music's. I like the music a lot. Uh, the music's really. Um, the music. What did your voice just crack? Yeah, it did. The music is great. Uh, I'd recommend listening to the music if anything. Mm. But uh, original songs. Yeah, everything is original. Um, mm. So specifically crafted for the for the, for the movie. I uh, so I like that. Um, but anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's as I as I end up saying with a lot of this stuff is the plot's good. The 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 characters and however not good. That's what I end up saying with a lot of noir films because that's typical. Um, uh, very, sh uh, very, uh, uh, stylish. Um, yeah, Gigi. I, if you like big ho Hollywood musicals, it, I, I'd equate it to the movie Around the World in 80 Days. Better than that, but the same sort of, 
um, thing where it's big and, and flashy, but not, um, and also early wide, early widescreen is, is sort of weird because the lenses are always kind of dis, distort very apparently at near the edges, which mm -hmm. is sort of interesting to look at. Anyways, yeah, GG, uh, the... 1958 Oscar winner. I gave it three stars. Uh -huh. And also, if you want to look, look at my letterbox, Zachary Aaron, I have a full ranked list that has gotten quite the attention. Almost 20 likes now. Pretty pretty uh -huh. popular with him. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, what's, um, what's, your, what's your final fourth film? Yeah, I, 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 I rewatched Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You just feel like it? Just felt like it. Mm -hmm. I sat on my shelf and said, it's been a while. Um, I don't know. This is the millionth time I've watched this movie. Literally the funniest movie of all time. Mm -hmm. I I don't watch. I haven't watched it as many times as you have. The, yeah. the scene that always remembers the, uh, that I that I always remember is the scene where the ladies at the truck in the truck and their faces all weird. Yeah, a large marsh. I it's... remember. I remember. I remember on my iPad pausing and scrolling through so I can get the tiny little frame. Yeah. and Look at it. Just like Harvey Dent. <laughs> that's the best. That's such a funny part of the movie because if you think about it, it it's like a three minute, four minute scene overall where he gets in the truck. She tells the entire story. And then she gets to the truck shop. She says, be sure to tell him Large Marge sent you. He says, Large Marge sent me. And then they go into a whole monologue about how Large Marge died. And then it cuts to something else. And it really does nothing to further the plot. It's just like a four-minute sidetrack. But it's just hilarious. The entire thing. When they finally pulled the bar, bar the body from the burning, twisted wreck. <laughs> it looked like this. Yeah. That's, that's a definitely a funny part. One of the funniest parts. Uh, yeah, Paul Rubens is, is just amazing as Pee Wee. He completely s sells this entire movie. Uh, if it, if it weren't for him, you know, the movie wouldn't have worked at all. Uh, this is Tim Burton's first film, which I wow. learned. Yeah, I knew he directed, but I didn't know it was his actual debut. So definitely a great movie for his feature. It definitely has his style and feel to it. The music is phenomenal as well from Danny Elfman. It really enhances, um... The movie, just overall, it overall, yeah, it's just, it's not my favorite comedy. I think Ferris Bueller is, that's my favorite movie of all time again, um, and that is a comedy. It makes me laugh. It makes me cry. So that's, yeah, Ferris Bueller is my favorite movie overall. Um, is it? Yeah, it is. I never, never heard you say that so it, So it's also my favorite comedy, but I think this is my f funniest comedy. It just mm. cracks me up to know return infinitely funny every scene is just hilarious yeah i gave it this a 10 out of 10 it never gets old it's amazing awesome i should watch that again sometime too i remember why it's one of those movies that i watched a lot as a child yeah but never i definitely rewatched suggest you watch it's it probably again. been like five years since i watched it i'm sure there are a lot other are there many jokes that are sort of uh that you wouldn't get as a kid but get more funny mm. as you age or is it still the not really. same amount of jokes because the whole the great part of it is not it's not really intelligent humor it's just mm -hmm. so stupid there's no basement in the alamo uh -huh. it's funny uh okay so that's the second right that's the second yep all right and then the third you, uh i watched i watched two movies in the third okay why don't we why don't we switch off i'll start first okay. off I watched uh the I, w I watched two noir films today. The first one was the uh this is a pretty big hitter. There's a couple of big hitters in the Columbia noir film, but this one is called The Big Heat and um uh there's a lot of movies that are 
about the big blank. The big short. Yeah, the big short. The uh, the I, I the the big easy is another one which uh, I don't, no one really knows about, but for some reason I've my heard of that. for some reason my dad bought it. That's probably where you've heard of it. My dad bought this. My dad bought the film The Big Easy, but and there's also The Big Sleep. That's the more famous noir film starring Henry Barrow. But this one is called The Big Heat, and this film is the dog. Is I I I said this is my second favorite noir film that I've seen so far. Class classic noir film, not not new noir film, um, and better. So my favorite is is Double Indemnity, which I think is the is the perfect. Um, perfect film that just does everything so perfectly the whole thing with the whole i think the whole goal of noir is to sort of have this perfectly um um perfectly paced and um uh i guess dark crime type film that has uh i guess uh, morally ambiguous characters that are fun to watch and yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a wordsmith, but uh, anyways, the Big Easy is stars again. Uh, Glenn Ford. I Glenn Close. No, Glenn Ford, who stars. Uh, he plays his Clark Kent's dad in Superman. Oh, I I remember you said that. Yeah, I did. So uh, Glenn Ford. This is a tale of a of a detective who uh, is put on a case hmm. and he goes off the off the chain. Basically, trying to solve this case, basically gets fired um, because mm-hmm. of how crazy he goes. Um, but the reason he gets fired is actually because the whole town is corrupt, and that's the uh, that's the driving point behind the movie. Is that this is the, he's the one cop in the town who who is who does not get paid off, and he's willing to fight fight the good fight, if you will. I don't know what the well, I don't know what the uh, re, I don't know what the good fight mm-hmm. is. You what is, what is the good fight? Fight for what's right, I guess. Oh. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, he fought the good fight, if you will, uh, and he um goes about. He's a uh, he's again, as I said, morally he's a little on the rocks. He he um. He's pretty uh anger angry and temperamental, pretty aggressive, but in the end, he's a he's a good guy. He he stands up for what's right, and um, yeah, lots of great classic noir things. The the there's a fancy term Kevin. I don't know if you're ready for it. The femme fatale, the uh, the woman. It, what femme fatale is? Uh, the woman in the story in, in the noir story who is sort of like the temptress. Temp, sorry, not temptress. The temptress who sort of lures in the the men and is sexually attractive, but she's sort of like conniving and she's she's doing it to for her own good and, and power and, and benefit, I guess. And there's the the um, there's the crime aspect, which is well done, I think everything is just well done. Um, so I give it four stars, and I recommend you watch it uh, if you're interested in any film noir type stuff. It's really a really a standout film for me. It really impressed me. Lots of great things. The big heat is a reference to a couple of things actually throughout the movie that are heat related. One of them is a coffee. Uh, the woman gets a coffee pot thrown mm. on her. Wow. Because because the, the evil the evil man is abusive, and it's a terrible situation. Oh, yeah, sorry. Before I move on, there's one more scene. There's one thing I want to talk about. Finally, uh, can't believe I almost forgot. My favorite the 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 this yes, really it might not sound impressive, but a scene in this movie. So again, uh, I my I used to say when I started like 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 
it doesn't matter if it's impressive for the time because we're we live in this time. It doesn't matter. But I've slowly sort of taken that look that I looked at like it. I mean, it does matter. It's still it's still sort of uh, influences how good the film is if it has impressive stuff for the time. But there's a scene in this movie that really took took me off guard, um, where a there's an ex, there's a big explosion and. Um, uh, so Glenn Ford is reading a story to his child, and as he's doing that, like literally the the uh, right outside of the house is an enormous explosion, and it completely caught me off, caught me off guard because that is very uh, not typical in a noir film for this or in old films, I guess, for this just to be this sudden sudden jarring sort of slap of a of a thing where it's not there's no musical cues, there's no nothing to lead it up to it. It's just like right there. You don't expect it at mm. all. It's crazy. So that's what, that was my favorite part. It was just completely out of the, not out of, I mean, yeah, out of the blue where it's just like, oh, there, bam, it's there. So that was the big key. Highly uh, recommend. What What did you watch? I watched Office Space. It was mm-hmm. the next movie on my movie. poster. Steamrolling through my poster. Bulldozing through my poster. Uh, so I watched Office Space from Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead. Comes. And Silicon Valley, the oh, show really? that I watched. He, he started that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't recommend watching it because it gets really bad at the end, and you'll and you'll have to finish it because you know it's a TV show, so mm-hmm. you'll just be end up in misery near the end. Anyways, continue. Wow. Yeah, he also directed Idiocracy, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Office Space was really funny. I loved it. Um, it had a good plot. the The plot that's listed in the. Uh, the synopsis is, says three office workers strike back at their evil employers by hatching a hapless attempt to embezzle money, which doesn't even really happen until about an hour in. Um, so yeah, the plot is I guess according to the synopsis, the plot doesn't really kick in until like almost the third act. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it's still really fun to watch. Uh, leading up to that, with him taking the hypnosis in becoming very relaxed and it's just it's fun to see him kind of live out everyone's dream of just saying i don't give a crap about nothing to your boss and and he uh, he actually gains uh, a, a position of power when he when he walks into the two interviewers and and uh, starts to tell him why he slacks off because maybe it's a lack of motivation or it's, the boss isn't so good and he, and he actually wins them over and they give him a a promotion so it was, it was funny to watch that uh all the characters are are fun the lead is good i haven't seen him in anything else i think but yeah uh ron has, livingston he has such a, he has such a uh, good average face he really does he's in the conjuring which i've seen don't remember him from that but yeah jennifer anderson is cool as well she's great and then the two side characters uh <laughs> michael bolton and uh samir i thought it was so funny that they named him michael bolton because there's really no point. They said it would be funny if we named him Michael Bolton and then just had a bit where people think he's like the Michael Bolton, which happens multiple times in the film. It was just funny, um, and the the boss was good as too, as well. The boss was good as well. He was funny. I liked all of his lines where he just was the stereotypical boss. He said, "Man, it would be great. We all know someone like that." Yeah, um, of course, from your years and years of uh, a nine to five office space work. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I also wrote my review. The 90s hip-hop paired with the office aesthetic worked very well. It was very, it was a very interesting choice. I've never really seen anything like that. It was just a bunch of non, 
stop 90s hip-hop, a lot of Tupac, uh, while they're smashing the, the, the copier and, and doing various stuff. It was, it was good music to go with the, the movie. Yeah, it was fun. And, uh, and uh, the last guy, what's his name? How can I forget? I love that guy. Steven Root from, uh, from Barry, who plays Fuse. I would recommend Barry to you, Zach. Barry? Barry's amazing. Only yeah. two seasons, three episodes. I mean, 30 minutes each. Only eight, 16 episodes total. You can clear that in a day. I highly recommend it. One of the best shows oh, I've ever okay. seen. One of the best shows I've ever seen. But yeah, he's in, he's in Barry, uh, which I recommend, and he's in this too. He plays the the timid guy who who always who talks like this mm-hmm. from yeah. the poster. Right. Yes, Very different role in Barry, but yeah, overall it was great. It was really funny. Uh, I was debating in my head if whether it's funnier than The Office, but it's not. You know, The Office is a nine season long show. And you really just can't tell the kind Funnier of than season eight of The Office. Funnier than season eight and nine of The Office, yes, by far. Funnier than certain episodes over, overall, yeah, but funnier than any scene with Michael Scott? No. So, what did you think of uh, Deadpool's involvement in the movie? Oh, yeah. That's a joke because I bought, I have a slipcover for this Blu-ray with Deadpool on it. Because in order to promote Deadpool 2, when that was coming out, Fox re-released a lot of their hits with That's Deadpool true. slipcovers. They had a weird promotion. That imagine I liked just it. bought all those movies for the first time, like you, and just yeah. had a bunch of Deadpool covers. I yeah. bought. I have the Alien. Yeah, cover. Zach has the Alien Deadpool cover. I have. I have a lot. I have the Fight Club, Office Space, um, one hundred twenty-seven hours. hours. Yeah, I think Jinx. I think those are the only three I have, and they sold a bunch. They had Planet of the Apes too. They had Logan. Um, Planet of the Apes two or Planet of the Apes in addition to. Planet of the Apes, the third one. <laughs> oh, okay, so none of the, War for the Planet of the, the Apes. Options. Okay, War for the Why the Why only the third one? Because that was the most that was the newest one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah, right. yeah. Office, Office space. space. I love that movie too. It's a it's great, it's funny one that one that I can definitely see why it's a cult classic or not a cla- not cult classic, regular classic of the classic of the classic normal variety. It definitely sticks in my mind all the funny scenes. Um, and then, is that all you watched? I watched another movie on that. Okay. We oh, said we would switch yes. off. Switch off. Okay. So uh, your finally, words. The final film I watched before I went back to Kurosawa, uh, the film Human Desire is about, um, yeah. oh, by the way, for those of you who have been following my pattern, the reason, the reason why I watched three Sydney, Sydney Poitier films in a row and then all these Columbia New York films in a row because usually I switch off is because I wanted to get all the Sydney Poitier films I think we already mentioned before that. it was too late. We already mentioned. I don't that. think we did. We did. Let the record show that it did. Uh, let's roll the clip, or should I say, not roll the clip? Anyways, uh, so Human Desire is a film about uh, it's okay. I know you haven't seen it, but the film Double Indemnity. I'll describe the plot of that, and then I'll tell you why it's similar to this, mm-hmm. why that is similar to this one. Anyways, Double Indemnity is about a a um, an insurance agent who sells uh, death insurance, and a and a wife wants to get away from her husband, um, and and so the um, so the so the man and the wife or the wife fall in love, and that's why the man helps her. Mm-hmm. This film is similar to that in the sense that uh, the the there's a woman. Who wants to get away from her husband, and there's a man involved who wants to help her uh, because he's in love with her. Uh, so in that way, um, 
I wrote my masterful review, it's similar to Double Indemnity, but nowhere near as good. And I'd have to agree with that statement. This was similar to Double Indemnity, but uh, I'd say it was, it was nowhere near as good. Uh, so I gave it three stars. You know, that's still a good score, but mm-hmm. uh, so it's inner, it's it, you know it's it's good, it's well made, but uh, it's not it's not doesn't doesn't go above and beyond like like, like the big heap or double indemnity. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, the thing I've noticed with noir films is uh, it's sort maybe it's like a one in five or one in four success rate so far. Like most of the noir films I've seen are very plot driven, um, but occasionally if it gets really good is when you have a when you have a good character-driven movie. movie. Obviously, every movie has characters, mm-hmm. but it depends on how well... A real fleshed-out... Yeah, real fleshed-out... In-depth character. character. Have, you know, Those are the best motivation movies. Motivation and Max story. So, it's like a one in four, one in five success rate. This is one of the ones in the in the three of four, or four and five, but uh, Him and Desire. Uh, that's the movie. All uh, right. That's the third. Uh, yeah. You, you All right. I, I, my, the other movie I watched, late at night, I watched My Cousin Vinny. Funny story about this movie, I started a long time ago, back in my senior year of high school, in the second semester, near the very, very end, where all the seniors start graduating, and there's like a week of school left, but the seniors don't actually have to go, so. Did you go? No. But what do you mean? How did you watch this during the last week? Well, this is like right before that week, like we started it on a uh, Friday, maybe. So I got to watch like the first half. Oh, I see. But the rest of the class finished it, but me and I have a question. And my fellow seniors never got to. I have a question. Yes. If you if you're a senior, can you opt to go to school if you want to, or can you not go? I. What if you want to watch my cousin Vinny? I think you actually can't go. I remember you have to have like a visitor sticker. I don't know. Because you're technically not a student anymore. Anyways, that was a funny story. I was close with my teacher, so I'm sure he wouldn't have cared. Yeah, but so I I finally finished this. Uh, I found it in Target a lot, like a like a month after I graduated. I said, "Well, I have to get that." It was a good movie, and I want to finish it. So, today was the day, or the third was the day when I decided to actually finally finish it, and I'm glad that I did. Uh, it was great. Um, yeah, it's really great. It stars Joe Pesci as the title character. Um, also stars Marissa Tomei as as his fiance. She was great. Uh, my know her as Aunt May from the new Spider-Man movies. Oh my god, that's crazy. She looks a lot younger. She's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, it tends to happen with old actors you see first as old. And then yeah, and, and then it also stars Ra- Ralph Macchio from Karate Kid and another guy as Ralph Macchio's friend. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really great. Who's the cousin? Or whose cousin is Vinny? Ralph Macchio's. Oh, I, yeah. so that's why... Yeah. He, he's a, he serves as a lawyer because yes. of cousins. He, he, Vin, his name is Vinny Gambini. Oh it's God. great. The, That's such an Italian name. Yeah, they're very Italian. Ralph Macho talks like this the whole time. And Joe Pesci has a very, you know, he, he has a very thick accent. And it's uh, in this film, obviously. And yeah, so it's about basically Ralph Macho and his friend get um, convicted for prison in Alabama. Deep, deep Alabama, deep South Alabama. They get convicted or they get accused? They get accused. Mm. Um, but it's almost like there's a conspiracy against them. Oh, wow. Um, they get accused of murder and locked up, and if they get get found guilty, they will be fried in the electric chair because they are, they are in Alabama, 
where the, the laws are very strict down there. So they're very terrified. They were just passing through, but now they're, they've wound up stuck in there because of the murder um, that they didn't do. So they call on their cousin Vinny, who is a lawyer. So he comes down with his fiance to try to uh, do his lawyer magic and get them charged as not guilty. But when he gets there, they figure out that he's been practicing for only six weeks. Wow, that's so silly. And he he tried he tried he, he it took him six tries to pass the bar, mm-hmm. and I think he's been practicing for or he's entered a law school years and years ago. So it seems like he will not be a very good lawyer. And Joe Pesci's really really funny in the movie. Uh, he because Vinny's just kind of a clueless guy. He walks in with a leather jacket into the courtroom, and the judge. The judge is great too. He's he's very funny. The judge is very. The whole thing is the judge hates Vinny because he's very unprofessional. Vinny's just like, "What? I'm just Vinny." And the judge is like, "You will not enter my courtroom wearing anything less than a suit and tie. You hear me? Tomorrow you will not be wearing a leather jacket in my courtroom and disrespecting me. You see?" So that's the whole shtick. But um, once he actually finally gets to the trial after all the after all the formalities. Um, he finally gets there, and he's actually a fantastic lawyer. And it's 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 similar to Twelve Angry Men in that it's pretty much one one guy convincing um, the jury. In Twelve Angry Men, it was the jury trying to convince the other members of the jury, but it's 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 the lawyer, which is usually how it happens, trying to convince the jury when all the evidence has been stacked against them. Everyone says that they saw those two boys kill the men and drive away. Uh, but Vinny steps in and he saves the day, and he he it's very well done. Um, Joe Pesci's great. The movie was just fantastic overall. It was definitely an, a nice surprise. Um, I gave it a nine out of ten. It's really really good. It has great humor. It has some heart, and it's it's a good it's just a good law movie too. Mm-hmm. I I'd highly recommend it. I, I I must admit it's funny that you watched this this week because. This just this week. I also watched a mo- uh, video by uh, a channel I watch occasionally. Not subscribe. One of those channels you just see and you recommend it every once in a while. You click on a video, but mm-hmm. uh, it's about a lawyer who reviews videos about. Yeah, I know that guy. And he made a video about this movie, and I thought he, he from the clips I saw, this looked actually like really really interesting. So I think I will be watching this sometime. Uh, yeah, I don't on Blu-ray. Feel yeah, free to take it off my shelf. Yep. I'd probably be recommending it this week, actually. Because I know you like it a lot, but it would just so sudden after I watched it. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm gonna watch it anyways, so it's kind yeah. of a waste. Uh, anyways, okay, okay. So that's the third, right? That's the third. You watch one movie on, on the fourth, so yeah. I'll talk about the ones I watched before that. Um, so finally, folks, I know you've been on the edge of your seats. Finally, I have um, made my pilgrimage back to the great. Director Akira Kurosawa, the great Japanese director Akira Kurosawa. Anyways, uh, I watched so I, I it was my first rewatch. I feel like uh, something I, I sort of noticed is I, I think this is a really good separation point where I stopped. And I stopped right before Seven Samurai. I stopped at, I, I stopped at Akiru, and so Seven Samurai is Akira Kurosawa. No, Akiru Kurosawa. There actually is a, a famous com- a manga, sorry, manga series. And a movie called Akira, uh, not in any way related to Akira Kurosawa. I think I've actually heard that. You know, names are can be, occur multiple yeah. times. And Akira Toriyama yeah. is the creator of Dragon Ball, 
Very yeah, that's famous. True. And Kevin, you're not gonna believe this, but okay. actually, one of the actors in this is named is named Daisuke no. Kato. Way because you know names they can happen multiple times. Uh, but anyways, yeah, six Daisuke. degrees of Japanese uh, similar names, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Daisuke Kato. He plays one of the Seven Samurai. Um, but anyways, so I wa- so I watched this film uh, a couple a few days ago. And I was originally going to go in like, oh, I've seen this one before. I'll just watch the commentary so I can get, get more insight, which I do like watching. I do like watching commentaries when I think like oh, I have I feel like I, this is a good opportunity for it. I don't watch all, them all the time because, you know, it's a little it's a little t- tiresome to watch two films or watch the same film back to back. Because yeah. usually if I'm if it's been a while since I've seen a film, I want to actually watch instead of the commentary. But. When I watch them, I'll watch. When I watch commentaries, I'll I'll, I'll enjoy it. Anyways, I started the commentary, and then I was like, I really, I really just want to watch the film, so I changed, turned off the commentary. But I figured I had a cool feature on the on the Blu-ray mark. There's a button that says audio, and it'll automatically just switch the audio track. You don't even have to go exit out the movie and change the settings. You just press audio, and it'll switch the commentary wow. track on demand. So that was a cool feature I figured out because Criterion. The Criterion just guided me to that. It's like, if you would like to change the commentary track, you know, in the stuck up, uh, fancy way the Criterion does, it says, well, if you would like to change the commentary track, press the audio button. Uh, crazy how they knew what, what my remote would say. Anyways, man, I sure am uh, not tight saying anything about the movie. I love Seven Samurai. I watched this again for the second time. The first time we gave it four and a half stars. Uh, the second time we gave it four and a half stars. Uh, this movie, it's, it's another one of those movies that... Uh, you just get gain a deeper appreciation for, uh, se- definitely the second time you watch it. But I assume every time you watch it, uh, I learn I notice so much more, more, much more in this movie. It it always helps me to watch the second time because I know where the movie's going, so I can focus on different aspects other than the plot. It it kind of frees you up in that way because you don't have to focus on the plot, which is why, uh, so, really sometimes I will not some. Which is why, which is why I, I am less. I, I care less about plot than most people will. Like, like I, I'm not like don't spoil it for me because a lot of the times you have a better time watching a movie spoiled than not spoiled. Like the Sixth Sense, obviously I knew what was gonna happen at the Sixth Sense at the end of the Sixth Sense, but I think I don't think it took away from anything because I there were different things that I could pick up on and also, you know, I didn't have to worry about the plot. Anyways. Uh, Seven Samurai is a, is a samurai film about um, seven samurai who are hired by this village to uh, help um, sort of save uh, a village from bandits. And uh, the film is, is jovial in nature. It's very sort of action-y film. Lots of great sort of gritty scenes. The famous scene takes place at the very end of the movie in the rain, in the mud. Uh, and um, yeah, something I learned was that Akira Kurosawa used used you always it typically used like two or three cameras for all the scenes he shot, which is strange because most people will use one camera and just shoot different angles. When I when I started learning about film, I always thought it was it was multiple cameras, but usually it's only one. Akira Kurosawa did it different. He shot with multiple cameras, and that allows for a uh, more seamless uh, movie that you don't have to film different scenes multiple times. But anyways, yeah, this movie is, it's, uh, it's a, it's not, it's not a deep, um, it's not, it's not, I guess on the surface, it's not a deep movie. Um, it's, it's a fun action-y movie, but that at the same time, as I watched it, there are even more stuff that I picked up on that 
is more contemplative than um, than you think on the surface. Uh, anyways, I guess that's Seven Samurai. You're, it's, you're staring into the distance again, Kevin. You must be bored. I'm not bored. Oh, I anyways, just do that. Oh, make eye contact. It's good for social behavior. So make sure to look away every four seconds. <laughs> that makes people more people more comfortable. <laughs> anyways, um, uh, so yeah, the four. And then I guess it's, it kind of connects to each other. Um, I watched. Uh, I check out a couple of the supplements. Uh, the first one I watched was called Akira Kurosawa. It is wonderful to create. Kira Kurosawa, subtitle, It is Wonderful to Create, subtitle, Seven Samurai. Uh, apparently there's a series of these, uh, all about a bunch of different Kira Kurosawa films. Um, but anyways, this is a basic making of documentary. But I found it to be really interesting. Uh, both of the supplements I watched, there are three in total, I only watched two of them, because, um, well, the third one wasn't on Letterboxd. Um, but I watched the, I watched this, the first two. Uh, this, one, this one is a basic making of documentary all about movie and even though it's a even though it's just a documentary of um it's not like a real movie and there's not you know, drama or intrigue it's still an interesting movie and i found it to be really interesting um just because i was interested in the plot uh, it might seem a little extreme but i gave it three and a half stars just because i was just so darn interested in what was going on behind the movie and you know it was really intriguing and yeah so it's another it's in it's in japanese um obviously but yeah uh, so yeah, I recommend watching that movie. And then, and then and we together, both watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I clapped. I clapped when I saw it. Anyways. <laughs> we watched this together just because we wanted to. Uh, yeah, I bought this movie on DVD a while ago at Target for super cheap because I was like, yeah, this is a movie. I like it. I also bought the B movie along with it. Uh, another one of those movies. This is actually just called B-Movie. Uh, that's true. That is... Can't ever remember that. That is true. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Man. Um, so I... I kind of went over the top. and gave it four and a half stars. You really... You really enjoyed it. But, uh... You know what? I don't... I don't regret it. It's not an... I, it's not a... It's not a funny, silly, over-the-top four and a half. It's really... No, it is definitely a legitimately really great movie. It's really masterfully done. Okay. Here's the thing. So it works on so many different aspects. It's a comedy. It's a, it's a really really funny movie. The, the start of the movie. Gene Wilder is very funny. The start of the movie. Yeah. Thing is, Gene Wilder's in the movie. Everyone remembers Gene Wilder. Nobody talks about the start of the movie where there's all these different um, scenes of just just completely like doesn't relate to the plot at all. They're showing the madness of the golden ticket, and there's like maybe four of them where they cut to different people about. Great ones where the where the lady is like, Madam, it's either your husband's life or your box of Willy Wonka chocolate bars. You gonna have to take a moment to think it over. Great funny stuff. It's hilarious. And then you have Charlie Bucket and the whole story with him. Great he, heart. He spent a lot of the movie. There's a great the classic Cheer Up Charlie song about how sad Charlie is. And you love you love this kid. He's so he's so uh, lovable. He's He's nice. He's kind. He he never. He's not a brat. He's mm -hmm. the perfect epitome of a kind kid. He's kind to his old grandparents, although maybe a little bit um uh an, an, a little bit of an enabler. Let's be honest. He uh, does encourage his grandpa to continue his tobacco. They almost beg him to keep they smoking. They basically tell him he has to keep on smoking tobacco. We're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> um, Charlie Bucket. He's just this lovable kid. He 
he he he gets a birthday present and he wants to share with his family. He he pretends that he got a golden ticket even when he didn't because he's just so uh, kind and he wants his parents to have that brief moment of joy. Anyways, Charlie Bucket is a great kid. And then we move on to the the, the chocolate factor with Gene Wilder, who is quite frankly I think I've seen I've seen all of his major roles, which is this and um the the um uh. Mel Brooks movies, three Mel Brooks movies does he, he's done, and Bonnie and Clyde, uh, which no one really talks about that, but he was also in Bonnie and Clyde, just showed up there, but he, this is definitely, I think, his funniest role. He's a comedian, he's obviously very funny, but this is his funniest role, his most, in his most intriguing role, and who is this? What it, like, where does he really come Wonka. from? Yeah, he's Willy Wonka, but who is Willy Wonka? That's the question this movie basically asks. There's so many great lines that uh, Willy Wonka just says that are completely out of the blue, like, we are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. And also when he gets the little, uh, gum, like, the little ever, everlasting gobstopper, and he moves his hand over and he grabs it. It's a great shot. He moves his hand over and he grabs it, and then he says, like, so shines a small bead in a sad world, or whatever, something like that. Great comedic actor. So many great lines when he's in the chocolate tunnel, and, he's, and he goes absolutely insane. That's such a weird scene. And it's just completely crazy and so out of the blue. And it's just like not, I mean, this is a, this is like such a, such a strange far cry from the kids movies of today. Like, like the thing is like in the seventies, like there weren't like kids movies were like movies that kids could also see. They weren't specifically made for kids. I wish we could do that because, you know, parents are, have to be there too. So why don't they just make them entertaining for both? That'd be so much better. Anyways. Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory is just, you know, it's I think everyone everyone's like, yeah, Willy Wonka is a great movie, but no one really talks about just how great it is. Anyways, you were saying, Kevin? Yeah. I'd agree. It's interesting how both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies, the Tim Burton and the Gene Wilder version, are both very strange. They just have something off about them. It but it's it's weird because the the book by Roald Dahl is it's very definitely very absurd the entire concept, but there's uh, not the same strange tone in the first one. Like there's definitely not that insane trippy boat ride in the in the book, and the, the, the Tim Burton version is even more wild. The, the, that movie is just very strange. Um, the scene with the puppets that just melt their faces off. Yeah, and die. that scene is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I should rewatch that one too. The, the 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 sequel is it you know um a lot of people say like it's like so much worse i don't think it's i don't think it's terrible the but, sequel you mean the remake yes i mean the remake i don't think it's terrible i think it's i think it's really um interesting uh it's, very it's a different stylized type. yeah and i certainly like like the uh the narrator guy to the whole thing i yeah. love and the uh, the danny elfman uh remake that they actually they actually stay true to the songs in this one they do yeah because uh, the, the 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 first one they do the the um uh, oompa, loompa, yeah, which is not in the book anywhere in the book it, in the book it actually does yeah. the the sentence shooting with the pipe uh, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't include the sheet music in the, the book. Ba, ba, so, ba, 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 so Danny Elfman took some liberties yeah, no. in the composition, but the lyrics are the same for the most part. Yeah, 
Anyways, yeah. Yeah. I think the main I think the main thing that that's kind of weird in the in the remake is the the deep and rich lore behind Willy Wonka existing, which I don't think was really necessary. Like, like how he came to be a candy maker. I think the intrigue about Willy Wonka is is that he's so mysterious and weird, and like mm-hmm. nobody knows who he is. But anyways, yeah, yeah. So the see the remake isn't that bad. I think it's just sort of it's just not as good as the first one. Anyways, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, all time classic. I gave it four and a half stars. You gave it four stars, right? Yes, I gave it a four out of five. Anyways, yes, uh, I love it. Love it. Can't Great stuff. Without it, I, I watched about half of the commentary, which was not certainly not as insightful as the uh, original, as the Akira Kurosawa commentary. Oh, the eleven minutes I ever watched, which was like to be expected. In this shot, we see Akira Kurosawa's use of the wide angle lens, which is a far cry from the original use of the telephoto lens. And this one is like, hey, look, <laughs> remember you? You were so cute back then. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, that's really more like the chocolate factory. Uh, did, you, did, you watch, what did, you, did you watch anything after that? Oh, yes, the clue, right. That's, uh, oh, spoil it. Yeah, that's all, all right, I watched yeah. besides the recommendation. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, last yesterday at around 2 in the morning, I watched the second supplement, Akira Kurosawa, My Life in Cinema. Now, I, this is another supplement. It's not a, it, I, I guess technically, in a very technical sense of the world, word, it's a documentary, but really it's just an interview. Um, it's available on Letterboxd, but I, I, I wouldn't say it's like a movie, so I don't know if it should be. I lo- If it's on Letterboxd, I'll log it. Some people are like particular that I log anything, but anyways, uh, this is a really um, great, interview uh Kira Kurosawa obviously is uh a a all-time classic and legend he has inspired countless filmmakers either directly or indirectly usually everyone everyone knows that the Magnificent Seven is a remake uh George Lucas has talked about a lot how Star Wars is a is a basically sort of semi-remake of the Hidden Fortress which I'm certainly excited to see because uh, I want to sort of note the similarities, but Akira Kurosawa is is a is a is a genius, and he has so much wisdom to share as a person in life, and he talks so uh, he talks about so much interesting stuff throughout his life, his early career, the um, his beginnings as a filmmaker, uh, how it used to work in Japan is that everyone it was sort of like an apprenticeship program where it's not like you would be like you'd come with like your big script and say. Here, here's my script. I want to be a director. Uh, it, or like you couldn't be an indie filmmaker. Obviously, it was like you work your way up. You start at the bottom and you become an assistant director, and then you eventually you get trained as by that, and eventually become a director, and then you get to take your creative license. But uh, here he talks all about that. He talks about his first time writing script. He talks a lot about script writing. I think you, I think you should watch it because you're in a mm. script writing class. He it's talks true. about how you know what. You, if you, you might say you don't have any time, but you, if you spend one day, if you write one page a day in a year, that's 365 pages, and that's way more than most scripts. So you could get, if you only spend one day, one day, or sorry, if you only spend, if you, if you only take one day, you only if one, you take the time out of your you, day every day to one write one page, page a day, if you only write one page a day, you could get a script done in, uh, like, uh, from, and in a couple 80, of months, eighty to uh, one hundred and eighty days on average. Um, so yeah, it's that simple, folks. 
but yeah, he just talks about how uh, like the real the real stuff. He doesn't give you like uh, like inspirational motiva- motivational advice, which never helps. He gives you like real like life experience, his experience about the world and how how he th- how he structures characters. And he also talks a lot about how he didn't really he doesn't really think about himself as a genius. Which kind of makes you think he's sort of like a sort of like a savant type. I mean, savant is someone who's autistic and also smart. I don't think he's autistic. Definitely not autistic, but he's sort of like a you savant. You just call Kirikuroso autistic. No, I said he's definitely not autistic. It was actually the um, exact opposite of that. But anyways, so he talks about how he's not, he doesn't think about like, I'm going to write a theme. I'm going to make this intelligent. He talks about how he thinks about ideas that he wants to convey uh, and that through that, themes arise. And he says, if I tried, if I tried to make the things that the critics say I, I make, then it would end up being boring and seem conceited and pretentious. If I just say, I want to convey this message, how do I do that? Then it makes it so much more natural and like in there. Right? So lots of great stuff and advice. And I recommend everyone watch it. And the, the interviewer, I, I, he, he's also a filmmaker. I've never heard of him. He's sort of obscure. And he, he's not like a master level type guy. He uh, his, his highest rated or sorry his highest rated film is um not that popular or common it's called uh death by hanging it has a 4.0 average so certainly good hank filmmaker he's not a all-time classic but anyways um his name is sorry his name is nagisa oshino i don't know how to pronounce it nagisaka and another thing i learned actually is that uh, um well what's his name oh man um, Akira Kurosawa? No. No. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Takashi Shimura. You know Takashi Shimura? Yes, the of old course. Guy, the older of course. actor? Of course, of course, of course, of course. Apparently it's not pronounced like that. Apparently it's Takashi Shimura, which I didn't know. And that's what I learned. That's what, that's the true takeaway mm-hmm. I took from it. Uh, Takashi Shimura instead of Takashi Shimura. Anyways, yeah. Sorry. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff I talked about, but uh, first about my life in cinema is the documentary I watched. I gave it four stars. I absolutely loved it. Lots of great advice. I think you should watch it, Kevin. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever you watch Cure, whenever you watch Seven Samurai, or All anytime right. you want, because it doesn't relate to Seven Samurai particularly. Okay. And then the last movie of this lovely episode, mm-hmm. I watched Clue, as per your recommendation, starring Tim Curry. Same yeah, star of Rocky Picture Show. I had a Tim Curry party week. And Home Alone 2. And Home Alone 2, which I didn't watch this week, but I have seen. Uh, wow. Tim Curry is great. After seeing this and uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, I can definitely say he has risen up men- tremendously in the ranks of my favorite actors. He is just incredible. He gives, at least it seems from what all have seen, he just gives 100% every single performance especially at the very end he really gives his time to shine where he starts to put it all together and he just completely very physical performance very very funny where they all run back and forth Mm -hmm. very well done this movie is hilarious it was very funny uh the story is very fun it's a great cast um michael mckeon from better call saul who plays chuck of course was great in this as Mr. Green. He's a lot younger in this, obviously. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum from Back to the Future, of course. Those are the two I recognized, as well as Tim Curry. And we've got Eileen Brennan, 
Madeline Kahn, Martin Mole, Leslie Ann Warren, and then and then a couple of other stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have and uh, have you even, have you ever played Clue? Yeah, of course I played okay, Clue. We've played it together. I feel like so, I feel like whenever we ask you to play Clue, you say like I don't want to. But anyways, yeah, it's based on the hit board game yeah, Clue. It, all it, this, it, all your all the characters are there. The lead yeah, pipe. the weapons the are all there. It, there. It's very very uh, yeah, similar to the movie. I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't really check the box very close, but I'm, I, they they have the actual pictures. I wonder if those are actually who they are or if those are characterizations because they're actual pictures of people. I wonder. I should probably look because we have it downstairs. But anyways, yeah, I watched. Yeah, as I said, as I said last week, I watched this at STN and I loved it. We all had a great time watching it. Um, it's hilarious. The final line. Uh, it's go it's the wife. funniest thing ever. It's just. We all we all cracked up laughing. It was just the best line ever, and then the credits show up, and it's like oh, delivered fantastically by excellent. the lovely Michael McKeon. Oh, and yeah, um, I'm sure you know this, but of course the the three the ending three scenes ending, yeah. they were very, shown very in, unique in theaters. They were you yeah. you you only got one of them, so it was like uh, you had to you had to pay to see all three. Yeah, that's a great it's a great strategy. They should do that for imagine for being the part of the sixty sixty six percent. This is Brad Pitt's review, by the way. But she said, "Imagine being the sixty-six percent that didn't get the third ending. Yeah. How unlucky they would be." I said, "I wonder if the the I wonder if each theater got like one or if they got all three. That would be pretty expensive. All that celluloid, you know, for just one yeah. movie. Anyways, um, I think my for some reason this was so funny to me the the ending where the, it's beginning to be revealed and uh, Mrs. Miss White, the one with the the flapper haircut." She just goes into this little rant. It's so funny where she goes, it, it makes me so mad that it's like my head is on fire. It's like I could sc- scream. It's like my head is on fire. And then it just cuts her off and Tim Curry keeps talking and it's just out of nowhere. It makes me laugh so much. She just goes on this little rant, just kept stumbling over her words and has no purpose. It was very funny. Yeah, it was very funny. The plot was good. Um, yeah, the reveal was fun. All three reveals. So there's no real ending, I guess. But uh, yeah, I really we all know the last ending is the, the real ending is the best ending. But it was it was great with all the cops coming out each time. Overall, it was very fun. I definitely will rewatch this in the future. Fun movie. I'll buy this definitely because it's a movie I want to own, so I can watch it for many years to come. I watched this on Prime, and Prime is a horrible streaming service. It keeps it, it kept buffering. I had a, I had to restart my app multiple times. The video kept getting blocky. I had to watch some scenes in a glorious 240p because Prime is such a horrible streaming app. But that's why I'll bet on Blu-ray next time I won't have that problem. That's why you should get a projector. Yeah. You should tell the folks at home about your new idea for your projector. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. Film-related. It doesn't matter. I think we're uh, done with the podcast, actually, here. We're almost two hours. Oh, my gosh. This has been such a... See, it's just just been such a good conversation. This has been a good conversation. Uh Uh-huh. But we got to move on to it. Uh, you want to tell you want to tell that story? It's a good story, Kevin. But uh, anyway, uh, we gotta move on to this week's recommendation. To me, what story? How you gonna get a projector in your room? Oh. Did you buy it? No. Oh, I thought you did. No. Oh, never mind. No, I don't even know if this will happen, but that's so sad. I am planning on having a projector in my room. I don't know uh-huh. what more do you want me to say. And then what are you gonna do with your bed? Oh, I, I, I'd, I'd like to do this, but I don't know if I will be able to. I'm gonna take a hatchet and smash it to little bits and and scream. That's gonna be awesome. Because 
A, you broke my bed. Mm, and, that is the, more the bed that broke me. And um, maybe it's time for a new one. B, when I leave for college, I definitely won't be taking it with me, so I might as well get rid of it now. C, it takes up about half of my bed, half of my entire room. That's true. And See, always... my bed takes up probably maybe 10%, 15% of my room. It is comfortable. But D, I have gross stuff all over my mattress. It's stained with various things like vomit and soda. Uh, you should get like a couch and put it there so all e, your friends can see. Yeah, that's watch. what I'm thinking. E, I want to have more space. I might have a nice recliner or a couch in my room. Or you could get, instead of a bed, you don't even have to have a bed. You can just have one of the, the things that we have in the office that converts into a mm, bed. True, and you don't have to buy one, especially since you're going to be leaving in a year. So it's not like. It's not like you're going to have permanent back damage. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's our segment called What Did We Watch This Week? I hope you enjoyed it. It's a new thing we're trying out. Uh, now we're going to move on to this week's recommendation. Uh, what do you got for me, Kevin? Oh, a text message. That's fun. Ever heard of muting your uh, notifications? That's a text message, my friend. Oh. Uh, I, d- I didn't really know what to recommend that this week, so I kind of just browsed through whatever I had to recommend. Um, I was going to recommend In the Mouth of Madness, but then it, you saw it that I was going to recommend it. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Train Spotting. Mm. It just came in the mail, so it's a good time to watch it. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's perfect. Watch it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a great movie. I watched it a, almost two years ago, I think, for the first time. Wow. For my poster, it's a great movie from what I remember. It's similar. Kind of similar, not, not really. Maybe I'm just saying that because they're Scottish in this movie as well, but um, it's a little similar to In Bruges and, and Snatch. The movies have all the same time. It's a very grimy movie. It's gross. It stars Ewan McGregor. It's funny. Definitely put on subtitles because their, their Scottish accents are so thick that you literally can't understand them for some of the scenes. Um, yeah, Train Spotting. It's great. They made a sequel too. That'll certainly knock off the directed by of, Danny Boyle. That'll certainly knock off the number of films off of your poster that you've seen and I haven't. Really uh, helps my pride when I've seen more movies than you. Yeah, so check that Anyways, out. Anyways, now we're gonna move on to our fun segment called "What Emails Did We Get This Week?" And uh, let's just uh, pull up the email this week. Beep boop boop beep boop beep beep boop Oh, that's crazy. Well, look at that. There's no emails this week. That's crazy. No emails? Not a single person. I texted Mason. He said he was going to email. Not a single person Mason wrote an email. And Luke so is far, a we've gotten two emails. Um, Both from Luke. And uh, those emails have been great. and We've loved them. We've had a great time. We've had lots of good, articulate, and fun conversations about them. But so far, no no, no emails um, so far this week. Uh, hmm. But, uh, you know, hope, there's probably good... Yeah, two or three minutes left in this podcast. Uh, maybe if I keep on refreshing, one will come up. That's funny. All right. So, if you like to follow us on Letterboxd, I am KVNROY or Kevin Kubrick. And Zach is Zachary Aaron is his uh, at or just look up Zachary, just look up Zach Riley, Zachary Aaron on Letterboxd. If you like to follow either of us. <laughs> and that's about it, right, Zach? Uh, yeah, I would, yep, that's, that's true. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's pretty much it for this podcast. Uh, we look forward to joining you next week where we talk about train spotting and many other movies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
Looks like you're on your phone there, Zach. I am. Uh, what are you doing? I'm just uh, doing random phone stuff. All right. I would say. So, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Thanks for listening. Why don't you hit that um, stop button? This podcast is a good podcast. I love it a lot. We have lots of fun here, right? Don't we, Kevin? Uh huh. You yeah. texting Luke and, or something? Uh, we really we always just have a good time. Uh, it's really fun. Yes, we do. All right, why don't you hit that sign-off button, Zach? Oh, my God. Kevin, this is breaking news. We just got an email. Oh it's from Zach Riley. Wow. It says, uh, you are stupid. What? That's subject line. And then it says, yeah, I said it. Can you believe that, Kevin? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That's crazy. And funnily, I, uh, we just said it, we, I would be refreshing. And then, like, right at that moment, a new another email came in. Uh-huh. It says, you are stupid. What are the chances of that wow. from another Zach Riley? Another, wow. There's another Zach Riley that watches this podcast. All right. As And as we always say. Well, as you can see, I mean, we'll read the podcast even if you say we're stupid. So but you better believe it. As I always say, and as Kevin always says, you could say as we both say. As we always say. Your friends close and, and your, your enemies, enemies closer. closer.